I V M. Folks, welcome and thank you for joining us on this episode of the Ideas Project Unlimited series by Smallcase. I am your host Anupam Gupta, and today we are joined by Atanu Agarwal, co-founder of Upside AI, a company that develops AI that helps you in investing. Investing that is unbiased, unemotional, and unaffected by market euphoria and panic. So I thought it would be a great idea to have him, you know, talk about a topic that many of us, in fact, are getting really. emotional about and that's inflation <laughs> this should come as no surprise right now but we are seeing massive levels of inflation today across the world reminds me of climate change but okay and especially in india petrol prices are through the roof and don't even get me started on driving a car the kind of money we are paying for petrol and diesel so why are we seeing so much inflation and how can money still be made during these times stay tuned till after the break to find out Hi Tarun, thanks for being on the show and let's start with some basics. What is inflation and you know why is it important for a retail investor to understand what inflation is? Right. Uh thanks Anupam for having me. So inflation I think the easiest way to understand it is if a price of milk changes year on year. If you're paying 50 rupees so for a liter of milk or whatever it is uh, this year and you pay 60 rupees the next year. So you've paid 10 rupees more for the same quantity of milk. that's basically what inflation is of course this is a oversimplification countries capture inflation in different ways they create baskets of goods which include many things uh, like milk and other discretionary items as well and they publish this data regularly usually monthly and that's what it gets reported as inflation numbers what is the relationship between interest rates and other macros you know like unemployment inflation everything else i'm just trying to understand how is you know in the overall picture how is the average person's buying power affected right as all all of us have probably learned in monoman economics right it's all demand supply so what happens is when unemployment is very low that means a lot of people have jobs uh demand for goods is high right so when demand for goods is high and the supply is it'll increase over time as companies say okay demand is high so i should increase capacity but it won't happen immediately so then supply is not increasing at the same pace so when demand is high supply is not increasing so prices have to increase right so generally the relationship between rates of unemployment and inflation is inversely related right lower the unemployment rate higher is the inflation interest rates and inflation have an interesting relationship because you know again typically when central banks raise interest rates it reduces money supply and reduces inflation but again because it's as a causal relationship and again it's not pure interest rates and inflation there's often there can be times where high inflation and high interest rates right and there can be time with low inflation and low interest rates which we have seen for the last decade or so before the pandemic so it's a little more complicated but I, I guess one way to understand it is as central banks raise interest rates, it tends to lower inflation because it lowers money supply. A lot of moving parts out there, folks. Yes. Terminology. Atanu, I want to talk about a lot of the inflations that are out there. We spoke about inflation, right? Let's talk about deflation, the opposite, because Japan has seen that. Yeah. And it's a great example of deflation. What is deflation? So deflation is actually it's obvious it's reducing prices year on year. Intuitively, you think, oh, that's a good thing, right? And I'm paying lower for things. But you have to think about it from the economic perspective, right? Generally, countries want benign inflation. If you ask a central banker, his dream will be that my country has some inflation every year, but controlled inflation. So even RBI's, for example, inflation target is I think it's four percent plus minus two, right? That's the tolerance band. So plus between two and six percent. 
So it's not zero, right? Similarly for the US, which is a very developed market, the target is around 2%, right? Plus minus. So again, central banks want inflation and that is because that's a sign of a growing economy. The way, I mean, again, I'll, it's an oversimplification, but the way I like to think about it is that you want upward mobility in your country. You want people who are poorer to become richer slowly, 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 so that people feel like they're moving up in life. When countries don't have upward mobility, that that's what causes revolutions and, you know, uh, leaders getting thrown out, right? So, inflation is a good thing, but control inflation. Deflation is the opposite of it. Japan saw it. As you said, Japan, because it had an older population, demand wasn't as high. So, the one biggest reason for deflation is that consumption or demand is low, right? It's not growing year on year. And because Japan's population was aging, its companies were not really innovating, so the efficiency wasn't going up. That's why it saw a period of deflation, which it tries very hard to change, right? It's Even now, it's seeing, making efforts to make sure that they have some inflation. Yeah, this next one is a tricky one, stagflation. Yeah, stagflation is actually the worst of both worlds, uh, where you have inflation in your country, but you don't have growth, right? So right now, when I was talking to you before about upward mobility, or I said central banks like inflation, I made an implicit assumption that inflation means growth, right? Usually it does, but there can be situations and potentially today we are in a situation like that where there can be stagflation, which is where you have inflation, but you don't have growth. So now, how does that happen? One example is supply chain disrupt. So as I told you, everything is demand supply. So even inflation is determined by demand supply. We discuss an example where demand goes up and supply doesn't go up and hence causes inflation. But there's an inverse situation where the supply goes down, right? And the demand stays the same or increases moderately and inflation goes up. So stagflation happens when situations like those happen. And it's very harmful for the economy, very harmful for the country. Because again, as I said, you have the worst of both worlds. People are not making more money, but they're paying more. You know, so yeah. it's a pretty... What's happening in US Europe? I mean, I see headlines like, you know, decade high or 40 years high. They've yeah. never seen this kind of stuff. But what's happening out there? So I think uh, it's a direct consequence of money printing, right? Uh, US and Europe, since the global financial crisis in 2008, uh, have seen unprecedented levels of money printing. And that was in part possible because of uh, benign inflation, right? So they said that, can we print more and more money to spur economic activity? You know, because again, I said, you want growth, right? And these countries are developed countries, so it's harder to extract growth. And that was put on, you know, on steroids during the pandemic, right? Uh, when the pandemic happened, it was like an asteroid had, had hit Earth and they had to do something to make sure that demand doesn't absolutely crater, capital markets don't crater. So I don't blame them. They had to print money. And they print, printed like nobody's, you know, dreams, mm. you know, especially the Federal Reserve. And when you print a lot of money, it's very obvious you make the system flush with liquidity. And there's so much money going around. Again, the supply of money is very high. Demand is not that high. So the value of money goes down, which means inflation goes up, right? So, so that's what's happening. That's, that's the reason. And of course, the other big elephant in the room has been the Ukraine war. Uh, which has worsened uh, supply chain issues. So the pandemic caused a lot of supply chain issues around the world. Uh, shipping lines were disrupted and, and that was put further worsened by, by the war because, you know, countries put sanctions on Russia, which increased oil prices. Lots of, you know, materials and goods that come out of those two countries could not be uh, produced anymore. So all of these factors put together, I think, have led, to, uh, led us to this place. Let's talk about our neighbors, hyperinflation and what's happening in Sri Lanka. How do they land up there? So, you know, I think India is very well placed uh, compared to its neighbors. And the reason for it is essentially India has very robust domestic consumption, right? So we actually have a lot of people and a lot of people who consume a lot of things. So that means that 
our companies can produce things and give it to these people and make money right they're not so dependent on other fa- external factors in fact we um, import a lot when you look at countries like sri lanka sri lanka was heavily dependent on tourism right the pandemic the time pandemic hit it had a massive impact on tourism they are massively dependent on exports you know again you know disruptions around the world supply chain disruptions can cause uh, fissures in that supply chain for them where they can't export as much and of course the biggest factor is the government spend too much right uh, sri lanka went through this period again these are my personal views where you know the media was sort of uh, co-opted by the political forces where the people they were not really showcasing the true nature of the country the economy and people were in this false sense of lull and you know they basically kept spending more and more money they kept trying to do this you know these ill thought of schemes like organic farming and all that there are a lot of factors at play and basically the government spent money didn't have and then was not unable to repay it which caused you know all of the so you factors. think india is better off than at least neighboring countries like sri lanka but or in the world right now where does india stand worse or better off depending on who you compare it with right so i mean india at the headline level uh, you could say that india is definitely an emerging economy very low gdp per capita we have a high fiscal deficit uh, we have a current account deficit which means that we import more than we export so these are all red flags but as i said uh, we have very robust domestic consumption we have very large number of people consume lots of things companies produce them foreigners want to invest in those companies so even though we have a current account deficits we don't as i said we import more goods than we export but we export a lot of services right we get a lot of capital inflow because as i said an attractive economy for people to invest in so for those reasons i think india is on much more solid ground and i think we've learned from our uh, experience in the 90s when you know when we were at the brink of defaulting you know the rbi since then very consciously built up reserves you know we have lots of forex forex reserves which help the rbi stabilize the currency in tough times and that is why the indian rupee hasn't depreciated as much as even the euro mm-hmm. right which is depreciated a lot or even if you look at the thai baht or the japanese yen these are cu- currencies that have depreciated way more than indian currency has so i think yes india is much better place and hopefully we'll keep our eye on the ball so let's talk about india specifically what's okay. what's causing inflation right now because there are a lot of you know factors whether it's oil prices taxes on fuel raw material costs i don't know like you said the whole russia and ukraine war yeah and of course probably the lingering effects of the pandemic so what's causing the inflation in india right so one thing india didn't do which other countries more developed countries did it didn't print a lot of money you know we didn't all receive checks in the mail like a lot of people in the us did right so that's a good i mean hindsight a good thing that india did where it didn't uh, create that oversupply of money mm. so but, but on the con side i mean unfortunately we are very oil dependent we i think import 80% plus of our oil uh, demand which means that we are very very closely sort of linked to the oil prices right so india's oil basket whatever we do import the prices compared to last year are way way higher which means that that itself is just pushing up our import bill um and of course uh, even though we we manufacture in the middle a lot like we we manufacture manufacture intermediate goods a lot a lot of the inputs come from outside right for example palm oil right palm oil we import a lot of it from indonesia and there was a there's a time when edible oils were at very high prices so i think india's problem right now is more supply chain related and i think it's a more relatively easier problem to solve even if you look at our inflation levels at 7% the cpi is not very high i mean the us is seeing 8 9% our wpi is high but you know i think that 
if i look at it holistically i feel i'm more bullish on india especially now in the last few weeks oil prices and commodity prices have come down so i think these are all big positives for india and as i keep harping on because we have domestic demand these can really benefit us so india could be in a very good position actually so india has also been seeing an economic recovery um how has the recovery been since the pandemic because now we are also fighting inflation which wasn't there maybe last year which wasn't there maybe the year before that so how is our economic recovery doing right so if you read a lot of financial news this term will be familiar it's called a k shaped recovery right it's been uneven uh, where a lot of large firms have done really well so if for example if you follow the financial markets you must have seen hul just came out with its results i think yesterday or something and there were really good results right uh, the volume growth was obviously low but value time terms they were growing 20% or something in, in revenue terms so that happens in such periods you know of such periods of high inflation what happens is large companies do very well because they are able to manage their input costs they are man- able to manage supply chain disruptions better for example tata motors is an example of managing the chip shortage very well and that is why they gained market share on let's say someone else who didn't do it well like maruti right so so there are opportunities in this period and that is why typically large firms increase their market share and the firms that suffer are the smes and the msmes mm. so if you look at the underlying data you'll see that it'll reflect that reality and you know unfortunately for india smes and msmes have seen two or three back to back events which have caused disruptions right there was a demonetization and then there was gst and now there's you know there's a pandemic and now there's war and inflation so the, that sector is definitely taking a beating uh, and the government is doing its part at least now to try and support it they have these schemes which guarantee credit and everything but still i think uh, the un- short answer is a k shaped recovery large firms are doing really well or are starting to do really well and the smaller firms not so much yeah you spoke about the government let's talk about that what is the government doing on the inflation side yeah so i think uh, the two parts said this government and rbi which is supposed to be independent from the government uh, the rbi is doing its part it's raising interest rate you know they did a emergency 40 bps hike and then they followed it up with another 50 bps hike so they are doing their part in restricting the money supply uh, and being proactive about it and in fact i mean in some phase their hand is forced because the us is doing it so if they don't do it then it'll cause for the disruption so they are doing their part the government is uh, you know the way they are trying to manage it so far has been a lot of duties export duties or uh, export bans uh, on commodities like wheat and other like for example they had a, a duty on oil export which they just removed right now because of price uh, the price was falling but again those are short term measures i think i don't think the government should resort to them in the long term because they can cause disruption in prices in the global markets and you don't want that because it hurts it'll hurt our country in the long term so these are the some some of the short term measures they're taking right basically restricting the amount of goods going out of the country so that the supply within the country is high yeah and some amount of fuel taxes also which i think at the state level correct correct so that's more complicated because they have to balance their fiscal budget right so yeah. i mean i have some sympathy there i mean they have to pay for it somehow yeah. it. state level finances are tricky okay atanu let's move to the investment specific part of this episode right so what are some of the trends that we typically see during inflation right so inflation if you look at historically you know gold is generally considered a hedge against inflation gold is complicated because if i was to look at its dollar returns it's underwhelming if you look at it the last 100 years for example but if you look at its ina returns it's far more compelling because i think gold is what intuitively is a is not intuitive actually it's it's kind of like a dollar bet for the indian investor 
because gold price is denominated in dollars for an indian investor in times of high inflation where there's a there's a lot of uh, the dollar is experiencing significant strength and a lot of money is flowing towards there gold gives you that some of that upside right because gold is denominated in dollars so for indian investors i think gold is a good bet you should some part of your portfolio should be invested in gold 5 10% maybe in terms of sectors i would say uh, that generally energy and commodity sectors which are very closely linked to the price of goods right where in immediate inflation can be passed on to the consumer these sectors do generally better than others um where again the the whole point is can you pass through that inflation on quickly so the, the, these are generally in favor and have typically done well but again it's hard to predict when the tide will turn right now in the last few weeks prices have fallen a lot right yeah. so 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 yeah let's drill down into that for a bit um sectors that have pricing power during an infl- uh, during inflation sectors that do not have pricing power sectors that are probably inflation proof i don't know let's talk about all three of them yeah so sectors as i said uh, gen- general rule of thumb is large companies which with scale have a lot of pricing power because they can control uh, a lot of the their input costs and also because because they can control the input costs they can drive out competition and that gives them more pricing power right so general rule of thumb is look at in any sector look at the top 3 4 companies they will increase market share do well sector wise uh, consumer staples pharma uh, it these sectors do well that consider defensive sectors because uh, because first of all their demand is very stable uh, they are considered essential so, so the demand doesn't go down as much it's inelastic as they say uh, with increasing inflation and uh, some of them are also very export led so whenever inflation is very high in a country and ex generally uh, fx rates are determined by inflation difference so if your inflation is very high against let's say the us inflation then your currency will depreciate and when your currency will depreciate that time com- industries like pharma and it which export goods or services do well right so consumer staples pharma it do well real estate is interesting uh, real estate i think if you are a, it's a rental yield play you could argue that you could ca- pass on the higher inflation to your uh uh tenants but because interest rates also tend to go up when in periods of high inflation that can put downward pressure on demand yeah. right so so real estate has sort of a little bit of both at play sectors that don't do well consumer discretionary uh sectors uh, especially auto and all that which where demand where people can push out those spends to later uh, you know that those kind of sectors typically don't do well uh, or any sector where goods can be easily be replaced you know basically that's the understanding where you can essentially take a cheaper option mm. you know those sectors don't do well so. any inflation proof sector you know maybe banks i can't think of banks being affected at all by inflation but i guess they are interest rates hit them also yeah i mean so uh, with banks what happens is that when interest rates rise all banks have to hold a bond portfolio which is mandated by the government so the prices of those bonds fall because the prices of bonds and interest rates are inversely related so it there's a little mark to market loss but on the business side what ends up happening is that they can possibly earn higher margins so banks the whole thing is what you call net interest margin which is the rate at which they give out the loan and the rate they have to pay to borrow the margin can expand in periods of you know when interest rates are going up or periods of high inflation so financials can do well but again there are lots of factors especially you know if it's very high stress right now india is not in that scenario but if there's lots of stress in the economy then there can be more defaults and stuff like that so that's the mitigating factor but financials is generally considered a you know decent neutral bet in times of inflation okay let's go to the last section of this episode from an investor's perspective should investors change their investing habits during inflation 
Right. So, you know, I'm a, I'm speaking to retail investors, right? So I'm a huge fan as far as non-professional investors are concerned of what they call strategic asset allocation, right? Which is you determine what your short-term, medium-term and long-term goals are in life. And based on those goals, you sit with a financial expert or or a trusted family member who understands finance and determine what the right asset mix for you is. What what amount of equity you should have, debt you should have, gold you should have, any other asset, real estate you should have. And you basically stick to it, right? Uh, it shouldn't matter to you what happens on the inflation side, you know, what happens in the equity markets, you should have a, you know, SIP going, whatever. So I'm a big fan of strategic asset allocation. When you come to tactical asset allocation, you know, especially if people who feel like they understand enough of the finance world and they want to play inflation, maybe, you know, you could try and enter sectors like, as I told you, pharma, IT, commodity, energy sectors, which are do well in inflation and go out of others. But personally, I think it's a very difficult play to make because the changes are so fast and furious and there are so many factors at play. Mm. Putting it all together and, and parsing the data in your mind and saying, okay, now this is going to happen. It's like playing Russian roulette. Right, uh, and right now, quite literally, Russian ruling. <laughs> so, so I mean, I I'm not a big fan of that. I think people should stay away from that. Just follow your long-term asset allocation and just keep doing that. Okay. And last question, Atanu, what are some asset classes specifically that can actually protect you against inflation or help you hedge your investments against inflation? Right. So, uh, I think generally, when uh, in periods of long-term inflation, people always say you should have equity because equity companies want to make profit, so they pass on that inflation. So, equities is a, always a core part of anyone's portfolio and it should always remain that. Uh, apart from equity, as I told you, gold is considered a natural hedge against inflation. Uh, that may be debated globally a little bit now, but I think for Indians, it makes, still makes a lot of sense. And I don't mean by jewelry. I mean actually by gold for investments. I think sovereign gold bonds are great for that. So gold is really good. You should have some part of your asset allocation there. I think you can, in terms of debt, you can look at RBI, for example, has a floating interest rate bond, which retail investors can invest in. Again, the, the idea there is that as the RBI increases interest rates to combat inflation, the interest rate on these bonds also go up, so you earn more money. Mm. So you should you know, consider floating rate bonds as part of your portfolio. Uh, and besides that, I think, uh, you know, uh, of course, you should have some uncorrelated assets like real estate and you know crypto used to be an option i don't know if it's an option anymore but but yeah i mean that's that's what i would say okay and folks if you enjoyed this conversation on inflation do check out upside ai's shockproof small case a portfolio that uses macro signals growth liquidity inflation volatility etc to determine asset allocation across equity debt and gold and deliver stable long-term returns with extremely low risk that you can track and invest in with your favorite brokerage account link in the episode description and the show notes. Folks, that is it. That's a wrap on this episode of the Ideas Project. My guest, Atanu Agarwal, co-founder at Upside AI. Atanu, thank you so much for joining us for our listeners. Thank you. It's my pleasure and great to be here. Good to have you here. And folks, hope you enjoyed this chat with Atanu Agarwal and hope this helps you understand inflation a little bit better and where you can invest your money to minimize the effects of inflation on your portfolio. If you like this episode, do consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. This podcast is powered by Smallcase. We will come back with more insightful conversations to help you achieve a well-rounded investment portfolio. Until then, bye-bye. See you next Wednesday for a brand new episode of the Ideas Project.